I'm Brent Leary. I'm Paul Greenberg. We are the CRM players, and you should know that by now because we've said that for a million weeks in a row at this point. Or a million times this week alone. <laughs> yeah, really. What is this, uh, the third thing we're doing this week? This is a record, isn't well, it? Well, if you count the happier hour, it's the fourth thing we're doing this week. Yeah, yeah we've had That's one nice. thing a day, every day. It's like a CRM players moment of the day spin it with well, us. it's pure and plays marathon and we're gonna we actually should have been asking <laughs> you to call in and give money wow it's we can still telethon. do that can't we <laughs> you know? I'm, I'm, i've been trying to find jerry lewis everywhere but i can't oh I don't know where he is all right now we can officially start the show because spin is in the house okay and we're going hardcore spanish today uh, you know i like that it's one that i do know and uh, and I actually know what he's saying. So hola, back. It, it's not it's not Castilian Spanish. It's it's Latin American Spanish of one variety or another. Nah, it's Spanish. It's good enough for me. It almost feels like I should say holla back instead of holla. Oh, my, but, but then it's then bad, we're yeah. we're starting to lo- get into Gwen Stefani territory, right? And and we, I just yeah, we don't want to go there. Really I'm leaving that, that. To, to Blake Shelton. He can he can. All right, folks. <laughs> Let's we're going to reel ourselves back in and bring <laughs> we're going to do things a little differently today. Usually we do a little bit more, you know, spiel 15 minutes of just, you know, what do you call that? Kibitzing? Is that just riffing? No, well, kibitz, riffing. kibitzing's riffing. We're riffing, but it's kibitzing too, believe me. So it's like ribbitzing? All right, I, I'm going to stop. <laughs> I'm stopping no. myself at this point. I, yeah, it's. Yes, you get spiral long week. We, long we, week. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. All right. We're gonna pull it back. Thanks. You're our guardian, my friend. You're just our guardian, and we appreciate that's it. That's right. All right. So we're going to bring out our guest now instead of making you wait for 10 or 15 minutes because you know, he's got things to do other than just sit around talking to us. So why don't we just bring him out? And I'll, as usual, I'll let the, the venerable Paul Greenberg. <laughs> well, I, he has to, that, that Paul Greenberg isn't here. So how are you going to do that? <laughs> I just, li- I just like saying it and just immediately looking at your face and you were gritting your teeth. <laughs> I was squeezing my lips tight. Let's just say that. <laughs> All right. All right. Just just joking around. He is just the godfather. Paul Greenberg. We'll do the intro. I'll go with that one. <laughs> so okay. So listen, <laughs> we know I think if you have watched us ever, actually if you watched us, you watched the San Jose Sharks, you watched the Enterprise Tech Industry, you've watched the press, you've watched pretty much every entity on the planet, you know who this guy is, right? <laughs> so right, this is as our amazing friend who I think I realized what the big announcement was uh, that you, uh, that you had mentioned Brent, when you sent him an email about, or put it up about his big announcement. I, I, I may even make it for you since Jonathan, you well, probably don't even know what it is. Right. So, uh, say it's more of a big announcement for us. He's like, what? Right, exactly. Really? It's, it's oh. a big announcement for us. I know what it is. <laughs> I, I believe me, we had no prep. So, Jonathan Becker, who is the president of San Jose Sharks, the president of Sharks Entertainment, the former CMO at SAP, and a renaissance man, if I've ever met one in our universe. And, well, true. You can look. 
don't be in denial, Jonathan. You are one, right? You are a renaissance <laughs> man. And I'm, I'm not going to take no's for an answer. So, JB, welcome once again. Paul, great to be here. Brent, also <laughs> great to see you. I have to say, you guys have the most structured, uh, serious lead in to a guest I've ever heard in my entire life. <laughs> I, I have to call you the no fun show because you never have yeah, any well, fun whatsoever. I know. Well, you know what we do? We script this months in advance. Right? It is. Yeah. In fact, my <laughs> EA little... asked me, what's the topic of this discussion? I'm like, these guys don't stay on topic. So there's no topic. <laughs> we'll talk. Well, that intro, I got a topic. We, we planned in 2018, right? <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but I do got a topic to start off with because this is one of these jumped out of me uh, let, let me go to the uh you're kidding yeah Let's let me first. go to the I'm screen here let me do this because this i have no idea I, i'm gonna ask yeah. him to talk us through this so okay this tweet came up uh early august and it came up from kevin smith <laughs> can you can you tell us what this means because he's asking you guys the san jose sharks for a favor, maybe you could talk. And I've got your reply, which I'm is not what even really supposed to be here today. What are you doing? <laughs> so, so, first of all, yeah, Kevin Smith, if you're listening to CRM players, we're all huge fans of yes. Jay and Silent Bob. Classic <laughs> movie. If you haven't seen the movie The Clerks, watch the darn movie before Clerks Three comes out as well. It's <laughs> it's an institutional. So, for those that don't know, um, the Sharks got started in 1991. So we're roughly a 30-year-old franchise. Um, we were one of the first professional franchises to go aggressive on colors. Almost all franchises use blue and red. I think you've seen that as well. We use this weird shade of teal. Um, we also used sharks with a ch the shark chomping a hockey stick, etc. So it became very iconic and uh, still voted, I think, the best logo in hockey and top 10 logo in sports 30 years later as well. Uh, and so merchandise flew off the shelf and showed up in various places like the movie Clerks. And so this is a scene where after playing hockey, roof hockey, as it turns out, not street hockey, not ice hockey, um, he's later appropriating himself of some snacks. I don't think he actually paid for the snacks. <laughs> um, but as you probably know, in professional sports and in many other things, you're supposed to technically get permission to use logo rights, which come from the teams and league. And uh, apparently Kevin Smith had trouble getting it from the league. No offense to the NHL. So he decided to do the old fashioned way, you know, like they did back in the 1800s, which is go on Twitter and ask for help directly. <laughs> so uh, I saw this and uh, yeah, there's a response. And uh, as you can see, my response apparently hit a, um, a theme among people. I, I don't think I've ever had a tweet with 1,900 likes in it. So that might be my my personal record. <laughs> That's it was awesome. well played. Yeah, the, I, there were so many tweets like this after seeing it. It was it, you, it, how long did it take you to come up with that response? That, that was the very first thing that popped into my head. Um, <laughs> of so uh, it is not edited. I didn't talk to a PR person or any of that stuff. I just <laughs> went real. I love the movie. And so it was the first thing Me I thought too. of. Me too. So I, the big I mean, question I mean, is I mean, then, the big question is, so did you guys get it all worked out? Is it, now, if I tell you that, then you won't have an excuse <laughs> to go watch the movie. Yes. Yeah, we, we worked it out. So th there is another awesome. cameo of the Sharks logo in Clerks 3, but I can't tell you where. 
you'll be up for an Oscar. Oh, no, I <laughs> best, best movie, best tweet. Right, right. But yes. some Oscar for the best tweet by a sports executive. Well, here's the thing. I figured because I helped out, I could sneak peek the movie before anybody else, and it doesn't work that way. Really? Oh, well, that's actually you know maybe they should let you do like a, a private showing at the at your stadium though. That would be awesome. Yeah, yeah. or or maybe I don't know if you guys are fans of the movie. I could do a berserker dance and be part of the preview as well. <laughs> well I- <laughs> Oh my God! Oh, Brent, if wow. you don't know what the Berserker dance is, you, I you don't need to know go what judge. it is. I do, and I would <laughs> literally be willing to pay a premium price just to see that. In fact, they don't even have to show the movie. I just watch that. Oh, come on! Uh, I, <laughs> but I'm not sure I'm complimenting me. you or not. I have no idea how well you dance, so to speak. Dance, right? <laughs> right. I will so. tell you, this is one of the up for those of you that are listening, and you're in enterprise tech or sports. This is one of the fun parts of being in sports and entertainment. Is you can find ways to get part of popular culture that are totally unexpected. And, you know, I'm certainly not the same level as Kevin Smith, but it uh, it was nice to have that interaction on that day. That was cool. That was one. That's one of the things you guys do so well, though. You, you actually integrate the actual people. You integrate a combination. You have pop culture here and you manage to do that, but you also integrate like actual people, meaning the fans and other things. You, you know, it's funny. One of the things, so Mark Benioff gave his keynote, on uh what was that <laughs> Lost tuesday 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 i with literally we've had an event every day since so we're not sure what day's what uh on mm-hmm. tuesday and one of the things that struck me about the whole environment of the keynote which is best one in years uh was that it involved it was on the it was it was it was on the ground as opposed to i mean it was vision of course there always yep. is but the vision came from the ground up rather than you know kind of the lofty heights of most vision down to the ground. This started at the ground and worked its way up so that, for example, the, they would talk about jobs and it wouldn't be about management per se. It was about business analysts or people like that. And they had actual business analysts who came on and, you know, who had key spots at Dreamforce. And it wasn't how, in a sense, you didn't even get the feeling it was PR exactly. You just felt, I may have been, but you get, you get the point. And that was one thing. And the other thing, which allied it with pop culture, which I found really interesting too, was there was this one point, you know, they give out these uh, golden trailblazer jackets. Yeah. And, but they did it with one person. They give her this gold jacket. It was the first one. I forget her name. She was a business analyst. Gold jacket. And then all of a sudden confetti comes raining down from the ceiling, which is exact imitation of America's Got Talent's golden buzzer. Literally the same thing that happens, which really, I said, wow, they're even picking up cues now. I mean, they, you know, they're, they're operating at that level. And that dovetails, and this is something I really want to get your feedback on. Also, that was also the first conference that any enterprise tech vendor has run on their own. And this is my terminology for it. Although luckily, I heard them say it today in an analyst thing. Uh, Salesforce Plus, which is their own network. Now, it's being called by some, uh, the, they're trying to be the Netflix business, service, which yeah. ridiculous. Uh, and... Then another one said that they're launching a new live streaming service, which also I, my contention is they're creating an actual network, like a digital equivalent of an NBC-ish network. So I want, I'd love to get your take on that because there's no other, there's no other technology company that's actually doing what they're doing with Salesforce Plus or investing anywhere close to what they're investing in building it either. What's your so, take on that? So there's lots of ways that we can take this direction. So first of all, let, let's, 
let's start in popular life and then go back to tech. Because I think this is another example where popular culture is influencing tech in ways that maybe is not yet obvious, but will become more and more obvious as time goes on. So we've been talking about cutting the cord from cable from what now, maybe a decade. And it's really only, I think, in my mind, in the last 18 months during the pandemic with a sprot, the all the plus platforms. I mean, we all watched way too much uh, Tiger King and everything else. But now virtually every channel, every content producer, every environment has their own plus, has their own OTT over the top network as a way of doing it. The problem is now they're competing for attention. It used to be content wars. The company with the best content would win. And to some extent, content still wins. But delivery is now as important as content because there's only so many apps you're going to download to your phone. There's only so many apps you're going to download to your smart TV. And so we're getting back to a war of visibility, which is basically based on money. You're spending money on, frankly, marketing, my old discipline as well, to try to get to be top of mind. And I wonder whether in five or 10 years, anyone's going to remember anything about platform. Are you going to remember whether you consume something on Amazon or Apple TV or Netflix, et cetera? What we really need is a general search engine that says, I want to see content that looks like this. Maybe I'm giving somebody a business plan and I don't really <laughs> care whether the subscription is as well. The funny thing is, I think some of the big cable platforms may realize that aggregation of content, because we've been in this 10 years of disaggregation, is important in aggregation and search and indexing. And Okay, so now what does that do to your question is, Everything. I think that's what's starting to happen in the tech world. Everyone is worried about content alone doesn't work anymore because you used to create your own compelling content, put it out on other people's networks, platforms, whatever. They were called news sites. So now they're trying to disintermediate the equivalent of the cable companies and try to do direct their own platforms as well. I happen to know it's that uh, Salesforce isn't the only one thinking about it and building such things as well, but they're going to compete for the same thing for attention. Can they get on your smart TV? Can they get on your app? That's going to become marketing and money as well. Somebody, maybe it's you guys, CRM Plus, is going to become the aggregator of that content as well, the traditional Definitely news organizations. And I think we're just going to go through these continual cycles. That's my sense, guys. I, I got to tell you something. Listen, aside from the fact you pretty much hit every button I love hearing. Um, <laughs> first of all, so I'm looking at this thing from, and unfortunately I say this every show, but this is so germane to what you were just saying. I'm looking at everything from this new lens recent, more recently than not about uh, there's a transference of, of buying and decision-making power going on generational at the moment. And, yep. you know, my generation's leaving Gen X in leadership, but still very small. Millennials are not half formed entitled brains anymore. They're just the fully formed human beings with families and good ideas. Yep. And, and, Gen Z is getting buying power that's independent of their parents' allowances. They're actually entering the workforce. And that transference is where it is. And they consume very differently and they accept. And this goes to the point you're making. And I think it's the single biggest point, too, of it all is they accept different. They accept distribution in different ways. Distribution is the weakness of almost everybody. Yep. It's not content creation. It's not consumption means it's distribution. Yeah. And and I and to your point on the attention side, and it's another thing I've been harping on all year too, and it goes right to this point. It goes to your point where you say content still ultimately wins too. But you know, the historic way we've always viewed um 
attention is signal to noise, right? How yeah. much signal you got to be signal among all the noise. And I'm saying, no, that's not it anymore. It's signal from signal, right? We're, we're competing with other signal now. And that's what's way harder. And it's also why distribution becomes so important because part of it is not just how great are you in signal. So, and how, how, uh, how, but it's also how capable are you of distributing it in a way that separates that signal from other okay. signals that people look, we, we have, we have, if we can have 10 tabs on a browser, that's 10 different forms of signal. We might be distracted by, right. Exactly. It's nothing to do with noise, right. It's, I mean, it has something to do with noise, of course, but it's, and people say, well, that's just more noise. I said, no, because all that content is that, that signal is actually interesting to people and potentially useful. It's just not, in context and moment and in the appropriate time, but it's still valuable, right? So totally your job is to make, right. So that goes to the heart of what you're saying, I think. And I would love for you to like elaborate from there. Cause I think this is, a, I think this is a fundamental change. So, so to me, the way to think about what might happen next is to go back and try to find parallels. That's what I always do. You know, the, those that don't learn from history are doomed to repeat it kind of stuff. And I spent a big part of my early technology career helping out retailers. And in retail, one of the, I mean, inside one retailer, you talk about shelf space and the different, uh, you know, people that fight for brand and shelf space. What I cared a lot about when I was a technologist helping retailers was share of wallet. That was the big term. I don't know if anyone remembers that term or not, which is yeah. consumers have a fixed amount of dollars or yens or pesos or whatever that they're willing to spend at a given moment in time. And therefore, they need purchase consideration or they spell it to retailer one or retailer two, online, et cetera. I think, and I've proposed to some, although it hasn't caught on yet, that we're in a world where we need to be talking about share of entertainment. So people have a fixed amount of capacity, just like they did a wallet of entertainment time. And they're making purchase considerations, whether it's free or paid, doesn't matter, about how to spend their entertainment time. Yep. And in some cases, it might be live events. It might be consuming things on cable. It might be watching you use Dreamforce or anybody else's tech. But there's a fixed amount of entertainment time we have. Somebody's got to flip the model of their head and start from consumer in, entertainment in, and try to decide, how do I make my entertainment choices at that point of decision making? And how do I inject that valuable content then? That, I think, is how the distribution will work. Right now, it's a very much of a push model. And we mm -hmm. say consumption, but nobody really comes from the consumer consuming no. side. Right. Exactly right. Exactly right. That, to, again, you can look at companies, say, like in Adobe on the technology side, who are very well positioned for creation. I mean, like really well positioned for creation yeah. because they're an industry standard for it. And one, to their credit, that keeps aligning itself as things evolve. They're not stupid at all in terms of that. And, and you know, Apple with some of their tool sets too on Final Cut Pro and things like that. But for, so that the professionals will have to do the work to keep the production values high, which matters, right? Um, have what they need, even as things evolve. And, 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 you know, and then you have the new media like uh, TikTok and, and, you know, and it's fascinating to watch just the impact of TikTok alone. I mean, you know, aside from Applebee's commercials, right? Um, you know, <laughs> You know, there. I, I actually was listening to. But here's the thing: I was listening to a Burger King commercial, and all of a sudden, I heard the theme that I recognized as one of the a regular TikTok dance theme in the background. They didn't, they didn't say a thing about it. They just played it. But the trigger was immediate, right? For me, and I'm not, you know, 18 
I mean, I'm Paul, you're 71. not 18. Well, I know I look fantastically young, although I don't, that would be amazing to try, try to, I, I'll go to a bar and see if they'll card me. <laughs> right. So, uh, so Paul, let's follow that, this thread for most of our existence, the people consuming content outweighed the people outnumbered the people creating content by a factor of 10 or a factor of hundred. Now, almost anybody can be a content creator. I mean, you use TikTok, that's a perfect example, right? So we're probably right at the precipice where the number of creators roughly equals the number of consumers. And sometime soon, the number of creators are going to outnumber the number of consumers. What, what happens then when we all have our own players channel, then we're competing for attention. It's not nothing against the people that help you create, but how do you differentiate yourself in high signal to create more visibility as well? I think that's the future battle. I, amen, brother. So, so given all that has just been said, how does that shape your approach to what you're doing with the sharks, how you present the content, where you distribute it, how you think about distribution, how do you think about new opportunities that maybe weren't feasible before all this? It is very feasible now. Yeah. So um, I like to, I would all like to pretend that I have this all figured out sometimes healthy experiments and uh, things figure out. So uh, Paul and I talked, and I don't remember, Brent, if you were involved. Actually, I think we talked about last time I was on the show, which is when the first pandemic, when the pandemic first broke, no live events, right? I didn't have any physical in-person events for 18 months. And most casual observers of sports teams and entertainment venues said, see, esports will always work, will always beat them, online will always be. And I made this comment, which was a little bit of a throwaway comment, which is, I don't think pure digital ever wins. I don't think pure in-person wins. I think some hybrid wins, but I don't know what that means just yet. And you may remember the experiment I ran, I didn't run it, my team ran, I don't want to take credit for it, was <laughs> taking real humans and injecting them into the simulated games. So, and, and changing the simulation based on their height, their weight, which way they shoot, et cetera. And all kind of weird things happen. We talked about a story where a guy got digitally injured, not, not in real life, but in, and then, right, yeah. you know, got a call yeah. from our GM, et cetera. And what that has taught us is the human world has the spontaneity of live that you can't reproduce in the digital world, right? Cause it's not, it's programmed in some way, but the programmed world can be 24 by seven. So let's marry the two. And one of the creative things is take a game that happens. We could win, we can lose. It doesn't matter. Right. And your favorite player perhaps didn't play the way you think they should play. Allow that person to re-simulate that game or allow you to substitute in that game. Right. Where then all the smack talking that you do of, oh, I would have done. Right. Mm -hmm. I'm better than that professional athlete. Well, prove it. Show that you're actually better. So I'm not saying get rid of the traditional stream because you still want to see how the live event. Right. That's why you play the games. Right. Because underdogs mm -hmm. win sometimes as well still allow virtuals and but now cross the streams for your ghostbusters fans and say what happens when you say i'll be the gm for the day i'll inject myself in there and allow that group simulation i think that's where we're at i don't want to that's not my scoop i don't want to tilt my hands too much and show what's going on but i think the combination of traditional media on something like twitch where everyone create their own simulation and see who's 
prediction of what will happen, does that happen in digital life? I think that's where we're headed. And I don't oh. think we're more than a couple of seasons away from that. I have an idea for you guys. All right. I do. Okay. So given this directly off of what you said. So. But no Yankees. Sorry, Paul. No, no. This this will be the Sharks. I promise. I may try to inject the Yankee logo on their sticks. But uh, So you take, seriously, you take, you take a Sharks loss, a game that yeah. the Sharks lost in real life. You look at all the hashtag complaints about the game find 10 people and within a short period of time. So it's still fresh. The yeah. ones who say, I would have done this. I would have done that. You literally run a contest and you have 10 people who actually re-simulate the game. Yeah. And the ones who can turn the, turn the score around, the ones who actually win, get yeah. something, whatever, right. That's, of those 10. That's exactly the kind of thing we should do. Yes, you're right. Oh, and awesome. frankly, they should discuss what they did on a platform like discord and use that as a learning and, and see then if we can turn it into a training opportunity. I mean, there are ways to kind of build this Boom. on top of each other. Yes. Boom. I, I think that that that's, I mean, you just, you do so much, man. I, I just, um, well, I just think the opportunity is fantastic. And you know, ultimately look as much as I, I literally get depressed sometimes, well, I don't get depressed, but I get angry when the Yankees lose and I won't watch them for days. Like yep. they really know that I'm not watching them. Well, actually, they do know that I'm not watching because <laughs> I'm telling Scott Jeffrey that I'm not going to watch. Okay. Right. So, uh, so they actually do know I'm not watching. Right. So, um, but, but I don't sit there and make, I don't second guess Aaron Boone's decisions. I may get mad at him for something, but I don't get second guess decisions or things like that. But there's so many people who are like second and third and fourth guessing. I, I wouldn't mind just running something like that, just to be perfectly honest, to just shut them up. Yeah. Well, <laughs> right. Sometimes. Right. So, so instead of saying shut them up, maybe as a uh, brand would say to get them involved, to recognize how complicated it really is yes, to make that's these exactly decisions. exactly how I would say So it, maybe they'll have I, a little more empathy for GMs and coaches and players and stuff like that. I, I would mm. exactly put it that way, too. But but nonetheless, I just <laughs> the idea, the idea like that are just I think they're fantastic. You know, it's funny. Um, I was I forget where I heard this was months ago, a few months ago. I was talking to someone in the sports world and I don't remember who it was. Somebody, no, I know it was, it was somebody who had just left the sports world okay. and, uh, about maybe two months before that. He former um, Orlando magic guy and your name came up and I, I think I brought it up for something. And he said, Oh, and this is his words, by the way, not mine. Oh, he's easily the most creative guy in all of sports. Everyone knows that. I'm not, that's what he said. Okay. I'm not saying what I said. I would say that because I would say that, but he said it. He just left the uh, magic. Um, he, you know, you know how the seat and everything else, the constant conversation is there. And so that's, that's what they said about you. Right. So, well, I mean, it's, it's a pretty high compliment and absolutely true too. But, um, so Paul, and, uh, because I don't like talking about me that much. Let, let me let's try this and riff in a slightly different direction, if you don't mind. Can I can I start one for you? Go for it. And and Brent, no, Brent, Brent and I are ready. We're ready to roll. No, I, I've got I got a Marshall. specific I got a specific they want to ask you after this. Oh well, okay. you can go first. It's your show. Go ahead, ask me. No, no, no. We want to. I want to hear what you're going to ask. You know, what the thing you're going to post? It's your show so, too. So happy accident <laughs> kind of stuff, right? So it, as part of getting people back into our buildings, which we're open again now, we had. Uh, 
10,000 people for Guns N' Roses, uh, 10,000 people for Colombian superstar Maluma. We had four monster truck events that I think together were like 25,000. So we get, we're bringing people back. So it's a little bit of a return to, I don't want to call it normal, whatever the next thing is. We did a ton of stuff based on health and safety, but again, happy accident. So mm-hmm. one of the things we said is let's find all the interaction points for, between people and see if we can reduce them the most we can, because we know that this virus spreads voice to voice, you know, et cetera. And one of the interaction points that gets elongated is when you use cash to buy something like food and beverage, right? So we said, we'll get rid of cash. We'll go cashless, except look, diversity, equity, and inclusion is a really big part of who we are as a franchise. And frankly, there's a whole part of society that that is based on cash. And if you go to debit credit card only, you're disintermediating them. I don't want to do that, right? So we looked around, we don't just experiment. We found a company that we partnered with and helped them build out a reverse ATM. So reverse ATM is exactly what it sounds like. An ATM, you normally put your debit card in, you get cash out. A reverse ATM is you put cash in and you get a Sharks branded credit card, uh, debit card back. Uh, no fees whatsoever. Um, I'm paying the VIG basically. I mean, because there are fees, but I pay them. So you put your 20 buck, your 20 or $20 in, you get a $20 debit card now, which is not only good in my four buildings, but we've set it up. It's a real debit card. You can use it anywhere. Debit cards are accepted as well. So now we actually, oh. you know, the old phrase banking the unbanked in an un- unexpected way. Oh. We're helping people that are cash based business be able to get debits and stuff like that. And it's got all the financial tools based on it. So they get tracking when their debit card gets low, they can reload it, all that kind of stuff as well. But now it starts to occur to me, oh, we should let them tie that to our digital wallet because we, we've kind of actually coming out with a digital wallet because our digital wallet says, I buy tickets. Oh, I can't use them all. Rather than trying to resell them on a secondary, which sometimes can be taught, put them on your digital wallet because then you can use them for, for other tickets to other events because we don't just have hockey. We have concerts. You can buy merchandise, F&B. Oh, but if I tie them back to this debit card, then you can actually use them in other places as well. Um, you may have seen I was the first in the NHL to accept crypto. So now I'm starting to say, well, mm. maybe this should be some kind of token. Let's call it a teal token. Doesn't have a name yet. So I'm not announcing a teal token because then now you can decide to go from cash <laughs> directly to, to crypto. So now I'm looking for an ATM that can you can put in cash and get crypto back to be part of this as well. Why? A, it's convenience, health and safety. But if you opt in. We can help you make financial decisions together with, with our financial sponsor. We can help you track where you're think- So we get injected. Now, not only do I have share of entertainment, but maybe I go back to my retail days and I start talking about share of wallet as well. So unexpected, wow. Wow. simple idea. Start with the want to reduce the time that people pay because cash takes extra time, turns into a line of potential line of business for us. Wow. So one question specific to that. All right. Yeah. So let's say procedurally it all works, meaning it technically works. It's yep. not putting you in violation of banking regulations. Everything works out. You've got that is one of the biggest right. issues. As it turns right. out, Paul. Well, no, I mean, it, I can see that. Right. But, but let's assume all that's working. Okay. And you have this branded debit card, which I assume carries a shark's logo on it and, and so on. But the thing is, and this would be just an interesting question to me. You know how it is sometimes when you have those kind of things, at a certain point, because it's a card you're using for multiple things, you take 
what you take the what's actually on the front of it, so to speak, for granted. You don't even look at it really. It just and there isn't. It's not even subliminal at that point. You're just ignoring it. And the question becomes: How do you how do you keep it sharks sharks marketed? I guess even though the logo will be there and it's a reminder. But I, for example, I have a even though they're destroying the program, I have a MasterCard that's a Yankees Major League Baseball card. And I used to get, for it, I could get tickets and experiences, which they're eliminating after this year. So I have no use for this card whatsoever. And they're going to lose me as a customer after I've had it for, since 96. Okay, so, um, and they completely wasted it. Uh, so, but that said, after a while, I just used it. I didn't really pay attention to the Yankees logo. Yep. The only thing I actually did that was Yankees related was go to a game with it. And that was the only thing that reminded me I was doing something with the Yankees, right? That was Yankee specific. It was MLB card because every team has them. But that, that became an actual thought to me at one point. Of, I'm completely ignoring the fact that every day I'm using it, I'm actually physically using it. I have the logo. But a lot of times I'm not physically using it. I'm digitally using it. And yep. I'm never looking. So how do you, how do you maintain the sharks awareness on that kind of thing. I have no idea if any of my uh, fellow sports and entertainment presidents are listening. If so, I hope you don't get to do this before I do. Maybe I'll, which is <laughs> you, you recognize that you've got to integrate it in everything you do. So yes, when you show up at any one of our four buildings, you've got to be recognized as ownership of that. But if our grocery partner is Safeway, and I don't know if they have Safeway mm -hmm. where you guys live or not, then you've got to integrate in with the Safeway operations as well. And if you use that, that debit card when you're at a Safeway, they should recognize you at the point of purchase because you use that card rather than some other card. If our healthcare sponsor oh. is Kaiser Permanente, which it is Kaiser Permanente, and you use it to pay your healthcare bill, then maybe you get something off or some kind of recognition there. Thanks ah. for being part of this network. If you're buy a Toyota, because Toyota is our car partner, or if you go in for service, then they recognize you if you use that. So you've got to inject it into everything you do. It has to be a, to use a tech term, it has to be a network effect. If you don't mm -hmm. turn this into a network effect, then you're right. You would, you'd forget about it. Perfect. Thank you. That's no problem. I, I'm going to go in a, a slightly different direction. And I don't know if you've been paying attention to Monday night football over the last couple of weeks, I, but I, the Manning brothers are doing their own, uh, broadcast so to speak they still espn still has the traditional you know announcer setup with you know the announcer and the color play-by-play uh, -play guys and then now they have peyton and eli in this relaxed kind of relaxed setting you know they bring in little guests per quarter they're completely different and you know paul and i have been watching this you know from the beginning and it's only two 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 weeks old but uh, the more the word seems to be getting out about the Manning Brothers broadcast versus the traditional, you're, you're seeing numbers spike. Like, I think it went from 800,000, which is not a lot the first week, to I think 1.9 million the yeah, second week, second and then they're going to be doing the third week. Uh, do you see, have you been, you know, what are your thoughts? Have you been checking that out? What are your thoughts? And do you see that as something that could translate well over to NHL, you know, finding the right folks and putting it in the right environment completely different from the traditional way of you know having the the broadcast dictated to you so to speak uh to uh, this way where it's more fun they're cutting up on each other they're bringing in guests it's very informal 
and it seems to be connecting with maybe that audience you talked about, the Discord audience, the folks that are younger, that are you know not the diehard traditionalists, and it seems to be connecting. So I have seen it. I personally love it. I know it's not for some traditionalists, et cetera. But I think you've hit on the point, which is historically, and it's in the word, we treat it as a broadcast. A broadcast means give everybody the same broad view of what's going on. Hmm. And we've hmm. got to get to... I guess I'll use the opposite word to a narrow cast, narrow cast. where <clears throat> we start from what do people want to consume again, to use the word we always use in this industry and program it for them, which probably means you need not just two, you probably need eight, 10, 12. We're never going to get to segment of one, which is one of the things marketers love to say, not in this particular media as well, but we could probably create four, six, eight, 10 segments. I, I don't want to mm. predict the number. I'm also not the broadcaster myself. Um, hmm. I'll come back to your thing as well. In hockey, point of view is really critical to consuming the game. What do I mean by that? Uh, if you're a hockey fan, some people like to sit behind the goalie and see the play development as they come to score. Some people like to sit on the glass, which is sort of a basketball thing as well, and watch the action and see people smash into the glass at you know nearly 100 miles an hour. Other people, me, I like a slight at angle, you know, medium angle view. Some people like to look from above as well. Problem is right now when in a broadcast, you get you don't get to choose. You get one, maybe two during a replay views as well. What if it was programmed the other way around where there were four, six, eight, nine live views, right? And you get to pick, maybe even switch back and forth. I mean, in my preferred world, you could even control the camera remotely as well so that you could zoom in or pan and stuff like that. Because now that's, you're the creator, if you will, because you're consuming the experience. Now, some people worry if you go in that direction, you cannibalize attendance for the game. And my what I say is maybe, but an arena like ours sits 17,384. I think that's our official capacity. And we have something like 1.3 million registered fans, right? So get those 1.3 million, many of which don't live within 100 miles of our arena and therefore you know, maybe come once or twice a year or maybe don't even come in their entire life. You get them to, to consume the game in a very different well. So I love the experiment of different announcers. And I would encourage, I mean, ESPN is now uh, at the national level. We've gone from NBC to a combination of Disney, which is ESPN, and Warner, which is Turner and Bleacher. So I would love both of them to experiment with announcers and multiple. But I think where we're really going is experimenting with different views and not just on replays, but live consuming. I mean, Brent, if you're a super fan, again, going back to the joke we always had, what if there was a camera mounted on Marshall's helmet and you got to watch the game just from his point of view and see when he blocked and see when he went up? That would be, I might pay an extra 10 bucks for that stream, right? That and, and the other thing too, um, I do a lot of, I'm on YouTube a lot. I know Paul's on, we're always looking for tech videos and stuff. And on some way or along the way, I stumbled across these, uh, reaction videos ah. where people are reacting to everything like music, yeah. movies, sport. But the, the thing that's fascinating to me is there are like these kids that they, they like label themselves LeBron James fans viewing Michael Jordan highlights from 30 years ago and they're getting into it and then they're starting to like become their own announcers. Is, do you see something like that coming to, you know, coming to, you know, not just, well, you or the Sharks or the NHL or like bringing the fans, even the fans that are 
new fans connecting with content that's 30, 40 years old, and they seem to love this stuff. Yeah, I we've already seen hints of it in our Twitch stuff. Um, one of the experiments we ran, which wasn't as compelling, but it was I mean, it didn't work out the way we want, is we took one of our most famous alumni, a guy named Owen Nolan, and we had him play uh, as a 23-year-old and as a 31-year-old. So we took we simulated his skill levels and stuff like that. And, and, and it was confusing. The call was confusing because Nolan – in fact, the 31-year-old scored on the 23-year-old. So it was exactly opposite the way you expected. <laughs> but, but now imagine – again, I'll go back to Paul. Imagine taking – creating your fantasy team of all-time Yankee greats and having play them against a fantasy team of all-time Red Sox greats. And building mm-hmm. that simulation and having it brought, uh, sorry, uh, announced by, you know, pick your favorite Boston Red Sox super fan and your favorite uh, New York Yankees super fan. And maybe there's a contest for that as well. I mean, that could be a simulated experience. Uh, and now if you could, and probably, you know, uh, Players Association wouldn't you let you, you then try to break that into the real world and take current players and put it in that mix as well. That's a very different kind of content, which does not cannibalize live games at all, right? But extends it to another generation of gamers where this is weird hybrid thing as well. So yeah, Brent, I do think, um, what do we call them in the the, the, the citizen data scientists? You know, that, that right. kind of phrase. So I think yeah. you'll have citizen broadcasters or citizen announcer trends coming as well. Well, you kind of, you know, it's almost like that's a natural outgrowth of literally things like we're doing. Yeah. Right. I mean, oh, really, it's, it, it is. And, and and it's, you know, I think to your point, and I, I think this is really. So when I was a younger, when I was a kid, they used to it was board games. We didn't have, you know, okay. actual computer games to play. So they, the, the game that anybody who loved baseball would play would be one of two. APA baseball or Stratomatic baseball, one or the other. And they were kids. The Stratomatic, the one where it shook all the time. No, 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 no. That was that was different. That was a football thing, and that was electro um, electric football. That was totally different. Um, this was more cards based on actual season uh, statistics, okay. so it would reproduce the season, but you would manage the teams. And I, I still, so it, I still uh, play with Scott actually, Jeffer, who's Yankees uh, CRM guy. In a for those who don't know him, for as they say on Smart List for Stacy in Wisconsin. Um, so hmm. I, I still, uh, I still play in fantasy leagues that are kind of like that where you reproduce actual teams. All right. So at one point it was computerized in the late nineties, they started to computerize one and this company called Miller brothers built a simulation so that with APA, you'd have the, you could play any season of any game of any team of, uh, of any league baseball in that you wanted. And you would have um, Ernie Harwell announce the game as if it was on the radio. And it really huh. was Ernie Harwell. Okay. He actually sat there and he read like thousands of names. And and the thing, it was built more toward baby boomers who were growing older who played that game but were getting into the computer age because it was it was an incredibly imaginative reproduction of um, a radio experience listening to a baseball game while you're managing the teams. I love it. And it was remarkable in what it did. The Miller brothers were brilliant, but way ahead of their time and argued with each other a lot. So, right. Um, So I talked to them when I learned about them. So that, but that, that whole idea, you take it forward. A lot of this is how do you appeal to the imagination of a fan who has 
lived with this for their whole life and wants to be a part of it and never had an avenue to be a part of it. And now due to the magic of computers and, and the digital world has a chance to be a part of it that actually feels like more than just a computerized version because of what you were deciding, because you're making decisions that you're actually making and the skills are reproduced, you know, quasi accurately. I mean, not really perfect, but you get the point. So I think you're really onto something with this too. I, I, I honestly think we're, and I, to your point, I think we're right at the cusp of this too, right now. We're this far from it. And I think next year or two, I think you, uh, hopefully you'll be driving it. <laughs> I'm hoping you're the guy driving this thing. Um, Cause so, I know we're, uh, I know we're actually out of time and you got to run. So we'd like to, I, I, if you want, I'll make the big announcement that you are going to make. Oh, I, now I remember what the big announcement is based on the, Yeah. So go has ahead. To do with this has to do with this number, right? Yes. Okay. Exactly. Just to make sure we're, well, we'd, well, I'll make it. I'll make it. No, you make uh, it. So, okay. You want to no, take it away? Okay. So we, Brent and I have been graced with the fact we love, look, we love Jonathan being on the show and you know that we've had him on multiple times. We always want him to be on. We have him on every day if we actually broadcast every day, but we don't. <laughs> so given his schedule and everything else, he's agreed to be on once a quarter for in perpetuity at the moment. Yes. <laughs> right. We'll see what happens as the road goes down, but in perpetuity, and we couldn't be any more excited because these discussions to me, they just make me feel better. Oh yeah. Look at this. That's a younger Jonathan. Sorry. <laughs> that was I CMO propose, Jonathan. I propose we call the segment Dropping the Puck with ah, I Jonathan like that. Becker. Okay, okay. That's what it is. That's it. And there's there it is, Jonathan. So there is your um you'll have some wording on there, I'm sure, but there is your background shot for your segment when you come on. Sounds good. Yeah. All right. Well, we're we'll honored, guys. I'm I'm happy to join you on a quarterly basis. Oh, are you kidding? This is the this is so cool. And I know you do. It was either that home. or dropping the gloves. We didn't. Want no, to no. Oh, no. actually, there there is a podcast from a famous ex NHL athlete called Dropping the Gloves, and he would beat the crap out of me, so I'm not stealing his. <laughs> <laughs> so we're sticking to dropping the puck. With dropping Jonathan the puck. It is. Exactly. Dropping the puck. All right. Well, All right. Brent, thank Paul, you, thank you very much for having me it on the show. Awesome as always. Awesome. That was All great. All right, my Thanks friend. So much. Take we'll care, guys. See you in a quarter. We'll see you in a quarter. Uh, holy that crap great. he's always we were getting, amazing we were getting comments from uh mostly from uh, sahil about the conversation has been so good <laughs> there yeah, hasn't even been any focus focus on the comments and yeah it, it it really was it was it was great it always is with him he, he going back to his days at sap and and now what he's doing and the things that that he's trying out and I just love the fact that he's willing to do. He's actually got a tweet that's up now saying uh, something to the effect of, "If if you tweet this, I've got two pucks I'm going to give away, and they're like kind of historical pucks. You know, there's some stories behind them, and and, and, and you know, he's the president of the organization. He's not like a social media. You know, his focus isn't just social media, but you can tell his passion is there, and he's. He's got the inquisitive experimental thing going. And that's pretty cool when you have your president thinking like that. Listen, you know, he's been that way. I think, I think I've known him now. I want to guess 14 years, maybe 15 years, something like that. 13, 14, 15 years. He's been that way that from the day I met him, it's just his, his ability to think both 
as a visionary, to your point, as this sort of just creative, you know, imaginative, remarkably uh, intelligent guy, and his willingness to take chances, and his willingness to just get himself his hands into it himself, it's always been there. And he's just, and the thing is, the other thing with him that I just love is he's so articulate. <laughs> Right, he does not have any trouble explaining things to so that people actually understand what the hell he's talking about. Yeah, right, no. so ah, uh, I love that. I, I get so jazzed up by these things with him. I do. Yes, my no, I like blowing. it. Dropping the puck, dropping Jonathan the puck. Becker, exclusive Every quarter to the CRM. That's right. That's right. He's exclusive. Right. All right. So before we get out of here, let's let's uh, talk about you know a lot has happened this week. We started off with. Larry and Rob and Dez talking about uh, the future of CRM from an Oracle perspective, and they bring it, come out with fusion marketing. And then we immediately had to go to, you know, the, the Dreamforce keynote. And that was just yesterday, wasn't it? I mean, or was no, it? No, it was two days ago. The day before, yeah. Yesterday was the happier hour. Yeah, yesterday. So it was two days ago, and a lot is going on. And then, you know, today we actually had the analyst uh, summit. Dreamforce, and you know it's a Salesforce analyst event when you see this. <laughs> By the way, uh, Stacy in Wisconsin, that's Minnie from California. Right? That's the dog Minnie. is Minnie. The dog. <laughs> that's Ann yeah. Chen, who's John Tashik's right hand uh, yep. from Salesforce, and her dog, Minnie. That's Ann's right hand, Minnie. Yeah. That's right. And she's, <laughs> she is literally in that position every single time. And yet she is every alive. Time. It, 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 if I, I would be so disappointed if we had a Salesforce analyst event and I didn't pull up Ann's shot and see Minnie there. I mean, right there, like that. Exactly. There was one time, if you remember, though, Minnie was angled so that her feet were like pushing out from the door. Right, the door right. shut, and the feet were like pushing out from the door. Both of them were up again. That was the other really funny shot of Minnie, but it also told us she was alive because she had moved from that shot. Right, that's right. Because there were some questions. I was like, "Wait a minute, once, that dog has somebody, not moved." Somebody asked once. I don't know if was that you, Brent. Somebody asked her if she was stuffed. That wasn't me, but that was no. A good I didn't question. think it was really. <laughs> I just remember somebody doing it. Somebody asked her, and Minnie was stuffed. Yeah. All right. So big question, because uh, we we kind of each of us ducked it on the day we did the watch party. By the way, all, shout out to everybody that was uh, involved with the watch party. That was we're we're over eleven thousand total viewing minutes and over five hundred comments. So that was yeah, pretty it was awesome. knockout, knockout. Yeah. So now that you had a couple of days to think about it, what grade would you give the Dreamforce keynote? Okay, so when we're talking about the keynote, we're including Mark, the customer yeah. stories, and Brett, and Sarah Franklin, right? I yeah, think she was in that, right? And yeah, she uh, was we're not, in but we're not including, or are we including Leia, customer and case the business analyst, and the Trailblazer stuff? Ooh, we're including Leia that? was like the pregame, right? That right. Was... Okay. Yeah. Okay. So we'll say from Mark on. All right. Okay. Well, first of all, Leia gets. A plus is across the board, whatever she does. So yeah. that's, a, that's just a given. In fact, if we didn't see her, we'd still give her an A plus. Right. Mostly <laughs> mostly because we know she's A plus always. And secondly, because she could beat us up. 
Right. So yeah, she's stronger than we are. I can see that. I can tell you that. Yeah. She, she's a powerhouse of a human, man. I'll tell yeah. you. Remarkable Ball person. Yeah. The best. So, okay. So with Mark, I, I'm giving it overall because I'm weighing very heavily on something here, an A minus. The minus due to the the kind of lost momentum part and uh, the, this, the downturn. And, but that's rhythm and and more or less presentation rather than content, okay? Um, from the standpoint of content, it's solid A. I mean, Mark, first of all, Mark had was the best. Um, his portion was the best keynote he's done in years. And it was, it was absolutely on point. It was the right, it, he was saying what needs to be said to the whole industry. And, it, and not just like, hi, we're Salesforce, we're first, we're doing it better. It was a real plea to the industry, and I believe he saw it that way. Although I'm sure there was a little of hardware Salesforce, and we're doing it better, and we're alpha, but that's always going to be there. It's a are a company, but on the whole, Mark Mark's idea of the trusted enterprise, his way of um, his way of attacking the idea, meaning you know the element, not just the elements of trust, but what does it take to build trust, um, and and how does that ref, how does that reflect itself from a visionary standpoint? I think was super powerful. I think that the customer stories were, as always, mixed. Um, uh, if I'm viewing it realistically, the, uh, I think they do great with public sector customer stories because they operate from real human concerns where the things like Mercedes, as much as they are good stories, meaning they reflect how Mercedes uses Salesforce very well, still have optic issue, optics issues and and and. You have to be careful of that. I'm sorry, they do matter at this point, and um, so that that, and then finally, um, the only thing, and this was a valid point brought up by one of the, I don't remember who, but by one of the commenters, was I think the one thing they could have done a bit more was the outcomes part of this, meaning the how do you proceed if you to build a trusted enterprise? It was really the value of a trusted enterprise, the nature of a trusted enterprise and the yeah. why you need to have one, but not how to approach and begin to build one. Even some initial ideas on how do you turn your company into a trusted enterprise would have been, I think a little more welcome and they could have then eased up on the stuff that with the customer stories and everything else, which again, should have been just a separate deal altogether. Mark's speech should have ended with Mark. And that's, so that's mine. What yeah, about you? That was yeah, I think if I had to put the grade, it would it would either be A minus B plus in that in that range. Um I I agree with you with Mark. I look, he's way better when he's in an audience. And I let's I think the environment that they set for, for Dreamforce this year was great. You know, it felt fresh, it was outside, there was, you know, it it wasn't a huge it was it felt maybe a little intimate because there wasn't a huge, we're not sitting in a huge auditorium. We, they were all there outside in the sun looking, look, everybody felt, looked like they were feeling good about things. And I think that translated to Mark. I, and I, and I will say, I think uh, Leah and her energy set the stage for Mark to do what he did. I agree. And, 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 it, and, it, and I think that that helped. They probably have the best, you know, between Leia and Mark, that's a tough combination to beat in terms of hype person and closer keynote person. 
they both do their jobs extremely well. Yeah. And like you said, his messaging on, you know, the trusted enterprise, it was reinforced, but it's also, it, it works well because he's not putting on airs. He's not saying and doing things that you can tell he doesn't believe in. He, you know, he believes in this stuff. And I think it translates throughout the organization and he, and he finds people that can help him do that. And, you know, he missed, he didn't even mention the thing about, you know, offering to let employees help them get out of Texas because of, you know, the situation down there in terms of, you know, that the new policy around abortion, he didn't even bring that up because there were so many other things that they were touching on and connecting with. Um, and I love that kind of stuff. I think like you, I understand that you have to have, you know, you know, the product discussion in there. And, and I don't think that was, integrated as well into that beginning um i don't know i think you it, it, you can't take too much off of that but you got to take something because there yeah. was a there was a loss of energy and i even even when i was watching our our uh, our um watcher numbers like how many people were actually watching us there was a significant drop <laughs> when he handed it off and they went into something other than like the grand close to a, the keynote I know there were things that they had to take care of. They had to have their sponsors integrated in. It just felt like there was a loss. There was a disconnect. And when he handed it off and we all thought it was kind of getting ready to be over. And then it went into a significant, another piece of the puzzle. So I, I would say overall, you know, B plus a minus, I think what Mark did with the whole trusted enterprise thing, that was really good. And, you know, I, maybe that's another way to integrate in the case, the, the customer stories, because those customer stories are important. And um, so, yeah, I think there's a lot of good and there's some good opportunities to make it better. You know what? To the, your point, actually, and it occurs to me, the other thing of note about this particular um, Dreamforce was it was actually being shown on Salesforce Plus. So they have a their own network. So. For example, why not show the customer stories on a different channel altogether? Just show it on a different channel. If someone mm. wants to see them, they just go to it. They don't have to have that in the keynote speech. They have to have it, and it could be during the keynote time, but you know, meaning like here's the keynote speech and then the stuff that normally follows the keynote, and then maybe that varies into four or five different things that people can go to right, right after the mark speech is over. And then they yeah. all go off to the channels that, personalize it a little more, customize it a little better for themselves. And the power is there, right? They're still getting everything that they need to accomplish. Mark sustains the wholeness of his speech and the energy and the power of it. And then people can, quote, personalize the experience to go to one of the four channels to watch something that they want to watch, right? Just do it that way, you know, uh, as opposed to inject it, bring the energy level all the way down, and then hope it comes back up by the end, which it didn't. Um, even when Mark closed, it was just goodbye, basically. So yeah. that was that. So listen, before we close, uh, can you go to Donnie, uh, Donnie's um, uh, comment? I got to tell people that. Okay. So this is what Jonathan was here. He said, did you follow this fan movement in the Islanders' recent run with the local restaurant Borelli's across from the Coliseum? They drove a ton of traffic by streaming Twitter from the restaurant while watching the playoffs with a mixed fan, the pizzeria. This touched on some of your dress. The reason I asked you to do that is, I Borelli's is 
is a childhood restaurant that I used to go to all the time. And the Coliseum uh -huh. was being built actually when I left East Meadow. That's where that is, right? And so, I mean, Danny's spelling is a little off, but Danny's spelling is a little off. But uh, but that restaurant was like the hangout for all of all the families in East Meadow nice. where I was born and raised. So seeing that was like wow. And nice. I, I I just wanted to bring it up just because. I used to love eating the pizza at that restaurant. 65 yeah. years. Yeah. Oh, so, Donnie, you've been there. You've actually been there. That's awesome. I, it's it's, it's like actually, it. <laughs> when I was a kid, it was good. I don't know how it is now, but the food, I remember you go in and you get minestrone soup. That was the first thing you do, get some minestrone soup. And then you, we'd order pizza <laughs> or you'd order lasagna or, you, you know, and it would always be, of course, back then you'd order lasagna with a cheap chopped meat. Right and uh, tomato sauce <laughs> and and cheese and, and but or egg if you liked it eggplant parmesan right things like that or I mean we'd all order these things at that restaurant again I have great memories of that place so I saw <laughs> that and I was like wow transported back let's see he said something else here yeah uh, thank you absolutely I just <laughs> love that place I just love that place. now I'm making me hungry Jesus. <laughs> Well, it's a good time to like wrap it so we can go eat. <laughs> Are you sure you don't want to wrap first before we wrap? Or no, that's your job, man. <laughs> You're the DJ side of the house, man, not me. I, 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 I know. I don't. I was dance. just gonna say. I'm just. Sing. I'm. I don't DJ. I'm just excited that we're gonna be dropping the puck with Jonathan. Uh, I, you know, for for every quarter. I mean, that's some good stuff, man. Do I'm not. Gonna, I'm gonna sharpen with Danny's up. Final con don't put oh you put oh come man. on man we almost went a whole the, show without right, it being you know mentioned to make it I'm gonna make it <laughs> worse you misspelled the word bagels <laughs> let me see you wrote Oops, bagels yeah no, wrong one Donnie shot one in there, there bagels I am definitely I'm definitely no Scottish. fan of blueberry bagels that's a Scottish bagel. <laughs> <laughs> All right, see, well, it's like one o'clock in the morning, man. You got munchies, is what you got. Wasn't that the the Bagels? Wasn't that a, a group that did the Manic That's Monday right. song? Is right, that... the Bangles. Which Prince wrote, by the way. He, he did? know that. Yeah, he wrote that didn't song. didn't know that. Jeez. Yeah, he wrote it for That's somebody else, and then they didn't want it, and then he said, I'll give it to the Bangles. Or something like well, that. I, I yeah, know. and certainly it wasn't a big song at all, was it? Not at all. No. No. You know what other <laughs> song he wrote, right? Uh, no. Um, um, that uh, no, nothing compares to you. By he wrote that too. He wrote that, yeah. That was that wasn't for her originally. Wow, he's a what yeah. a genius! What yeah. a genius yeah. at so many levels, unbelievable. Oh, before we end, another a uh, shout out to another genius, another musical genius who would have been ninety five today, the late great John Coltrane. Really? Today's his birthday? Happy birthday, John Today's, Coltrane, wherever you may be. He is. I I talk about my musical Mount Rushmore. He's one of the four. He, he's that guy. Is, he's incredible to me. Well, anyway. I won't. I don't have one. So who's your other three? That well, way we don't course. get into a long discussion. You know, Prince is. Of course. Well, Prince. He's one. John Coltrane. Miles Davis. John Coltrane. That. Got that. Stevie Wonder. Oh, that one I wasn't necessarily guessed. The other three Stevie I wouldn't have known in a heartbeat. Genius. 
yeah. I agree, but I wouldn't have necessarily yeah. guessed them. I just the other three were obvious just from my interactions with you all the time. But um, yeah, th that one not so much. Huh. No, the, the the fourth one is always tough because there's Marvin <clears throat> Gaye, and then I go I go with Public Enemy as well because they what they did for hip hop. Anyway, the 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 Prince. Miles and John Coltrane, they're like solidified they're the, in the uniform. They're, they're the venerables. <laughs> yeah. Should, well, along with you and Steve Gilmore. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna, All right. Do you do you, do right. you have a musical Mount Rushmore? I don't because I can't I can't narrow it that close. I, I have like every I would I I have one person that I absolutely know is on it all the time without a doubt in my mind and would not be any question, which is Jimi Hendrix, right? Um, oh, but yeah. but beyond that, like I mean, I the I love 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 the Beatles, and I do, and I would probably put them on that. Um, okay. Beyond that. I have 50 other ones I might put on. Right? <laughs> I, you know, that, that's the thing. I mean, I have some that you might have heard of, but probably would never have guessed, like Mike Bloomfield, you know, people like that, who were mm. these, uh, they were Chicago blues guitarists. And uh -huh. uh, Mike Bloomfield was a genius. I mean, he was always completely high, but, uh, <laughs> but he was absolutely one. And, and a lot of the Chicago blues and some of the like the guitarists, even like um, the BB Kings and the Albert Kings, those kind of guys, they were influenced uh -huh. by him as much as he was Albert King. By yeah, BB King. Yeah. yeah. Oh my. Yeah. And they, but they, but Mike Bloomfield, who was a white suburban Jewish kid, um, influenced them as well as they influenced wow. him. Right. Oh yeah, That's he was cool. that good. If you remember, there was a group called Blood, Sweat, and Tears years ago. Oh yeah, was, I remember that. But, but, well, there was the there were kind of two of them. One of them was the "What Goes Up Must Come Down" spin and wheel one. This is the one before that, right? Which is oh. the original, and that was yeah. Mike Bloomfield and Steve Miller and Al Cooper. And Steve Miller, one, yeah, they were in the oh. original, um, the original uh, uh, group. And "Blood Sweat Miller. and Tears." What? Listen to the original "Blood Sweat and Tears" album, not the one with that guy with the deep voice, whatever his name was. Uh, the original one. Hmm. You are going to hear. You will hear some of the best music, best ele wow. electric blues you'll ever hear in your life. Nice, incredible. That's one of my iconic albums. Yeah, they're, they're, well, because everyone thinks it's that other group, right? And it yeah, was, that, but yeah. they were legit. I mean, it was kind of handed off to them, but the style was nothing wow. like it. And and the the Bloomfield Cooper uh, group that that the original one um, were. They only did that one album. They all did millions of albums. If you want to listen to one of the great performances, listen to either of Bloomfield has two recorded performances at the uh, Fillmore East and the film one at the Fillmore East, one at the Fillmore West, I think. And um, listen to them, and you're gonna you'll hear him talking, which you will not understand the damn word he's saying because he's completely <laughs> stoked, right? But at the same time, the performance itself, and he in one of them, I think he pulls a guy out of the audience to to play with him. And it's Stevie Ray Vaughan. 
right? So, oh my goodness. So that, but really, that, yeah, this goes all <laughs> the way back. I mean, this is the '60s and the '70s, right? Wow. So why? But Bloomfield died of like half of these guys, like Hendrix, died, you know, OD, right? Mm. And uh, same thing. Uh, and Jeez. Bloomfield was absolutely, and Cooper too, by the way, was was amazing. It's kind of like you always had Jack Bruce and Ginger Baker on the cream. And there was Eric Ginger, yeah. so the yeah. two of them were like Jack Bruce and Ginger Baker and the way they worked together, just beautiful, beautiful, synchron, you know, synchronized way of working together. Fantastic. So cool. listen, listen to him. You'll love him. I promise. Blood, Sweat and Tears original album. Make sure the name Mike Bloomfield's on it. That one. Nice. I'm going to check that out on uh, YouTube. Yeah, you'll find it. It's, it's incredible. It really is incredible. Cool. All right, folks. Well, that was worth the extra time. And by the Hearing way, that. season of the witch, the original season of the witch is on. Not the original. That's Bob Dylan. But the 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 best season of the witch in history is on that album. Awesome, I'm checking it All out. Right. All right. All right. Well, in the meantime, on behalf of uh, Jonathan Becker, who had to go, but he will be back every quarter. I'm Brent Leary. I'm Paul Greenberg. We are the CRM players, and you should know what's coming next. If you don't, shame on you. And now that we're showing it, shame on us. <laughs>